they shall grow not old, and we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> Larry, I want to give you my own welcome back. Where's he gone? Have you changed seats? <laughs> Are you hiding from me? Because <clears throat> if you've observed, Larry makes a vital contribution to the preaching life in this church. <clears throat> More often than not, you will hear, you will hear a Larry laugh. When you, and we've missed that. Remembrance Sunday. It's quite solemn and serious and weighty stuff, isn't it? And well over 100 years ago now, the uh, first um, recognition of the need to remember took place. And uh, the king decided it should happen at some event at Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. And very soon afterwards, it became something that the whole nation recognized, the need to remember and so we're going to spend some time looking at uh, the act of remembering this morning what it means to us and about um, uh, 5 to 11 I'll break off and um, Chris will lead us through uh, an act uh, a time and an act of remembrance it's quite important that we stay with that but in the meantime what do you make of the act of remembering well on this I decided let's start off with memories then I thought, now what did I... Oh, memories. <laughs> memories. Memories, you think about it, right? <laughs> are absolutely... It was, it, was an it was an obvious setup, wasn't it? Sorry about that, yeah. Um, poor. But memories are just amazing if you think about it. You try and imagine living if you didn't have the capacity to remember, to hold on to memories. Try, imagine navigating life without memories. You get up in the morning, what do I do now? Um, you stand outside and perhaps you've got a car or you, you want to catch the bus and you think, well, what do I do now? But your memories inform all kinds of normal things and they enable us to function as human beings. They're quite an amazing part, a feature of our minds, but we know that they are not always flawless or faultless, our memories sometimes let us down a bit. Um, if you ever see the famous Mr. and Mrs. Miles walking down High Street in Abergavenny one day, there's a fair chance that you will be recognized and a fair chance that your name will be remembered. The problem is one person will recognize you and the other person will remember your name. So that if you don't see two of us, it might be a bit hit and miss. That's that's part of memories, it's part of being human. And memories bring all kinds of really good things to us, don't they? You, might, you sit back and you think, oh, great things. The birth of your first daughter. Yeah? You won't forget that. Uh, just a bit of advice, all the things you thought you knew about parenthood in advance. Okay, forget, just, just, <laughs> just, yeah, it's coming your way. It's coming your way. That's life, yeah? 
And uh, we had a neighbor next door, a really nice guy. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, a, a Christian, but um, really nice bloke. And he said when his first daughter was born, he changed completely. <laughs> We're looking forward to change. So amazing things. But th there's another side to memories, isn't there? And I, I just put four words up there um, that describe the other side of memories, which is painful, disturbing, damaging, and destructive. And for those who've served in the armed services, you know all about that. You know what damaging and destructive memories can be like. It's far more commonplace now that we hear of the effect of PTSD on those who served uh, in the armed services. Um, a member of my family suffers from PTSD, and I tell you, it's, it's absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible. So whether painful and difficult memories are those that have been done by us, things that we've done that we're not proud of, we might even feel a sense of shame over, or things that have been done to us, equally awful sometimes, even more awful. And painful memories can be quite a burden. Here's a horrible statistic for you. You might have heard something like this, but of the, the national statistics suggest that one quarter of adult women and one sixth of adult men will have direct experience of abuse by the time they were 16. That's an awful lot of pain and disturbance that people have been exposed to are carrying around. That's part of the memory bank that some people are carrying. And actually, there'll be every likelihood, there'll be a number of, here people, of people here this morning who are in that category, who've had direct personal experience uh, of those kind of things happening. And they have consequences on us. So whether it's it, it's something like abuse in any of its, its forms, um, or whether it's something that you have done or you've, you've, you've um, suffered, a, a, you've received a critical comment from someone and somehow it's just barred and it's stuck in you. Painful, disturbing, damaging and destructive memories can sometimes hold us captive. Okay? And we have different ways of dealing with that. Uh, some people will, will bury them so deeply that it's almost a case of deny that those memories exist. Sometimes our minds um, subconsciously do that for us and we can't even access it if we choose to. For some people, uh, painful memories have the effect of leaving us feeling a bit hollowed out on the inside. There should be a bit of me there, but... I've been robbed of that. That's, that's been destroyed in me. It's been burnt up. And that feeling of, oh, I've, this is something I should be able to experience, but I can't because of this, this hollowness, this darkness uh, that I've experienced in the past. And actually, that song, you know, I Speak Jesus, <laughs> that, that spoke in advance of the very end of this, of, uh, this address. Yeah, everything, there, you know, darkness. Okay, um, we'll get to that. We're going to show, that's it. Well, fantastic there. Um, those of you at home, really glad you're able to join with us. Sorry for not acknowledging by me earlier. I was just thanking the lady who's on the, on the desk for 
having remembered a conversation we had about three minutes before the service began, because there's a slide missing. The slide is this. I want us to go on a really long, as in time, journey with God on the issue of God remembering. There's a foundation for how we should approach and handle our memories that we, we can establish once we look at the place that God has for memories. And the, this one, this memory runs about 12, 1300 years. In fact, it runs longer than that. It goes back to the time of Abraham when God first made his, 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 his great promise to humanity. Um, but around about 1,200 years ago, the, Israel, uh, the Israelites were trapped. They were slaves in the land of Egypt. And in Exodus 6, we read these words. God says, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. God remembered something that he had committed to his people centuries beforehand and then a few chapters later we see God instructing them to dog the blood of a lamb on the posts and lintels of the door the Passover and he says this is a day for you that you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord as a lasting ordinance some really lovely neighbors back in Cardiff and uh, they, were, uh, they were Jews, and they would celebrate the Passover festival with great, great care and attention. It's still something that they remember down the centuries and down the millennia. So God instituted that in, round about in the 12 centuries BC. By 600 years later, he had caused to say this through his prophet Jeremiah, inquire among the nations who has ever heard anything like this my people have forgotten me and that was a deep cry from within God look what's going on and it wasn't just that God had discovered that uh, <clears throat> at that point in time it happened at significant periods of time over the previous 600 years God's people had forgotten him but through another prophet a little bit before Jeremiah God said, said this. His people said, the Lord has forsaken us. The Lord has forgotten us. But God answered, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, okay? That phrase is going to have far more resonance in about six or 700 years after the event than it had time. But even then, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God remembers. But it took another 600 years or so before that remembering came to fruition and in anticipation of that God said again through this chap Jeremiah he said this the days are coming 600 years in the future the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah this is the covenant that I will make with them after that time I will put my law in their minds 
and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God is still in the business of remembering. And the thing that I want you to pick up, on the, the issue of remembering, it's not random, it's deliberate. And with God, when God remembers, it is always significant. See, that first statement uh, through Moses um, lasted 600 years until there was a refreshment of it and another 600 years before it came to culmination. And we know that point of culmination, don't we? Hebrews 10, verses 15 to 18, picks up again that passage. And, and the, the writer there says, the Holy Spirit in the here and the present then. And that word applies to us now. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant. I will make with them. After that time, says their laws, I will put, said the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts, doesn't matter whether it's deliberate or accidental, whatever it is, those acts I will remember no more. God repeats his promise into the present. I will, note he doesn't say I will forget them. Okay? It's not some kind of arbitrary, you know, time heals kind of nonsense stuff, because it doesn't. All time does is blunt the edges of pain. But I will remember no more. It's God doing something. It's deliberate. It's purposeful. And where these have been forgiven, where these acts have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary gone it's gone away we had a bit of hebrew concordance a few weeks back from Stuart. being a young dad he's forgotten all about that by now <laughs> you got a better memory than i have then mate two greek words i want us to just reflect on for a couple of minutes the word remember is a greek word that looks like the top line there I don't know how you pronounce it. But it, it really struck me. It says, I remember, I call to mind, I recall, I mention. Another uh, common um, concordance says this. I, it has this sense of active remembering. It has purpose. It's deliberate. It's not accidental. It's not arbitrary. It's not predictable. In this context, when God says, I will remember no more, that is absolutely purpose, yeah? It is absolutely deliberate. It is utterly dependable and reliable. And then the second word then, which we is, is translated into the English for our convenience using the word forgiven. But the Greek has a range of meanings, and it's not unusual at all for the Greek language. You can't have precise mechanical equivalents in all instances. But the meaning is dismissal, release, and pardon. And in this context, that's wrapped up in a, in a single word forgiveness for us. 
But the word that really caught me there is the middle one of the two. It's release. Sometimes we can think of God as, as, in a sense, kind of being a bit dispassionate when he forgives. But he's not he's saying, I am releasing you. Yeah? Forgiveness means you're released from that thing that you've acknowledged, you've repented of, you've asked for him to wash you clean and said, I release you from it. And that struck me when I read it in, in that concordance. That's really good. Just to re-emphasize uh, uh, re the reality about when God remembers, it's not mechanical or clinical, okay? This is how Paul, sorry, how uh, David expressed it in Psalm 25. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy. Great mercy there. Mercy in the Hebrew, the root, one of the root meanings is compassion. We're in the realms of the deliberate and the taking action again. Your great mercy and your love. Also translated as loving kindness or as unfailing love. There's a quality to that as insofar as it relates to God. For they are from of old. Again, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me for you, Lord are good. Now we might imagine, well, God didn't say that about himself, so he's, but the thing is, David knows the Father's heart, and he's pushing against an open door, and he's, what he's saying is, Father, I know you are like this. I know this is your character. I know this is who you are. Be who you are to me in my situation, as I acknowledge the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. I'm going to pause in a, a, a minute or so. So I just want you to reflect on, on remember, okay? Sometimes remembering can be really painful for us. It can be bring all kinds of unwelcome emotions to the surface. It can bring guilt. It can bring shame to the surface. But when God remembers, it is deliberate. It's not accidental. He is a God of immense mercy and love as well. It's compassion, yeah? It's mercy of quality, this is. That's the root of it, and it comes from the very heart of the Father. We're going to pause now for a few minutes for an act of remembrance. Just hold on to that, and we'll come back to the subsequent uh, issue I want us to explore is, well, how do we handle difficult memories? Fantastic. We've got a couple of minutes before we stand and acknowledge uh, today. So why don't we do that in the moment? In the, we've got the kids who are going to do a few bits as well. Uh, are they, I think they are here already. So if they want to just come to the front, I just want to save some time. Wonderful. Wonderful that we can 
be together. Do all these things together. Amen. Okay, there they are. Come on, let's, let's appreciate the kids as they come to the front. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Ah, look at them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, they can line up in the front. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. We're all going to stand in another two minutes, actually. Hey, look at them, smiling faces. Come on, let's appreciate these guys. They've been doing a few things downstairs in preparation for this morning. And uh, if you want to sign up at the end of today and be a volunteer at Sunday school, Helen, if you could stand. This is Helen. Let's appreciate as she heads up our children, <laughs> young families, ministry. Okay, why don't we all stand? In a, in a minute, we're going to kind of play a video and uh, get ready to mark at 11 o'clock, two minutes. I'm going to ask Tyler and Graham if you guys could come to the front. Listen, these are days and opportunities. We want them to know how valued, how special, and how much we love them. Guys, we love you. Come on, let's just appreciate them. an ex-soldier. We heard his story last year, and uh, Tylo is currently in the RAF serving as well. So whenever we're ready, guys, we can roll the video. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them.
when you go home, tell them of us and say, your tomorrow we gave our today. For Tylo and Graham and for all our soldiers, past and present, let's give them a round of applause. And our kids have prepared something for both of you guys. Fantastic. The sacrifices they make and all that they give. Guys, we love you. We thank God for you, we appreciate you, and we're standing with you. Hayden, I'm going to ask you to pray for them, pray for all our soldiers. If you could come and just say a word of prayer. Oh, I just find it so moving. <clears throat> Father, we can't express how grateful we are to you, for you laid down your life for us, that we might live. But Lord, and for people like our lovely Tylo and Graham, we just thank you for them as well. Ask you to bless them and their families, Lord, and uh, 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 to heal them from any memories or they may have that are not so good. We just thank you for them. For our armed forces, Lord, and for everyone um, who has put their life on the line for us. We just thank you, Lord. Protect them, Lord, even now in Afghanistan or, or in other areas of the world where they are. Just protect them, we pray, and bless them abundantly and abundantly. Because, Lord, they give, they give, they give so much. So we thank you for them now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's appreciate them as they go down. Thank you, guys. We love you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Let's take our seats. And the kids are going back down to Sunday school. Bless you, guys. Thank you. And let's have Gervin come back. Carry on. Remembering matters. The question for us is, how do we do it well? Covered uh, before the act of remembrance, um, uh, a really long-term and a really important perspective about God and the act of remembering. And he is utterly trustworthy and faithful in remembering. He remembers well and he remembers for a purpose. So given all of that, how might we respond with difficult memories? First thing I want to say is this, that when God saves, he saves the whole person, right? There's nothing left on the side that say, oh, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'll have the bit that's, uh, that's facing me that is uh, full of desire to be right with me, and the 
and the less attractive bits, so I'll just turn away from that. That's not, that's not him at all. See, he's not turned away by any of that stuff. In fact, he's far less likely to turn away from it than we are to turn away from ourselves because of our uh, knowledge of what we're like and what we've done and some of the things we've been involved in, but also some of the stuff we've been exposed to that we might not otherwise have chosen. He doesn't turn away from that stuff. Now, the reality is we all have hidden parts to our lives. We have stuff that is hidden from the mass public. We have stuff that is hidden from our families, from our nearest and dearest, and even stuff that we hide from ourselves about it. None of those are an obstacle to him. There's a, a, an old hymn, um, when peace like a river settling. Some of you might know the story behind that, a guy who went through a series of quite awful tragedies in his life, and he wrote the hymn as a reflection. There's a couple of lines there, and the line in the second verse of these, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. And whenever I get to that, saying, I... I really genuinely struggle to sing that verse because the truth is overwhelming. It's not in part, but it's in whole, and I bear it no more. And that's everyone who's bowed to Jesus and said, I surrender to you, come in and do your stuff in me, has exactly the same standing. It's been nailed to a cross, but there isn't a... There isn't a set of post-it notes nailed to the cross. There isn't a printout with people's names on it. It's the son of glory who is nailed to the cross. That is how my sin was nailed to the cross. And because of that, I bear it no more. So no matter how deep the memories, whether you describe them as, you know, stains on your life because of what you've done, or scars on your life because of what's been done to you. Know this. In Jesus, God has saved you in your entirety. Nothing that he turns away from. The second thing I'd encourage you to think about in this is that God is true when he forgives. He is true to himself. In the readings we've talked, particularly in, in David's Psalm 25, he acknowledges some aspects of the Father's character. And that character is fully at work in the act of saving you and of saving me. We sometimes kind of in a, in a, a fit of enthusiasm say, nothing is impossible for God. Um, someone, yes, you qualified that a few weeks back. Rightly, you said, well, some things are impossible to God, and this is one of them. It is impossible for him to be untrue to his revealed character. It is utterly impossible. There is one him, and there's only one version of him that you will ever encounter. Sure, it contains holiness. Sure, it contains the capacity for judgment, but mercy and love and loving kindness and all the rest are part of a completely integrated whole. There's no... No, no tension within God. He is who he is. So what is true of, this is what Jesus told us, what is true of Jesus is true of the Father. 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I will send you another, the Holy Spirit. He's just like me. He's a, he, he's a counselor. He's the advocate. He'll come alongside you. He'll take what is of mine and give it to you. And, he, and Jesus gave the disciples and history, what the Father gave him to give. There is no lack of unanimity there. I'll tell you that now. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is true to himself. He forgives with his entire being. There is no issue. And he says when he forgives, he will remember it no more. Now, it doesn't mean that he's kind of somehow mislaid it or, or you know, uh, you know, you can't, you know, you can't access it. He said, I will not use your forgiven past against you. I will not bring it up against you. Well, sometimes we bring things that we've sought forgiveness over and receive forgiveness. Sometimes our memories are faulty. We bring them back again. That's faulty remembering on, on our part. Sometimes other people do that. Sometimes the enemy of our soul does that. don't know if you've ever experienced that. It very often happens when you're feeling really vulnerable. And he uses that age-old form of words. Did God really say that he's forgiven you? I find from experience a direct word back. This is holy ground. I belong to the Father. I am blood-bought. He's forgiven me. You have no authority. Go away. And he works. I'll tell you that. Go back to that definition of forgiveness again. That, that word I discovered. That, you know, he releases. I wonder how many of us this morning are struggling with, with memories that you just can't get free from. It's not all that uncommon is the reality of it. But God got, God's got an answer for that. He's got a provision for that. He will release you. And his routine is a fairly simple one. He says, okay, come to me. Acknowledge it. Confess it. The word confess in 1 John actually means agree with how I see what happened, how I see what did. Repent. Just change your mind on it now. I agree with you, Father. Forgive me. And he is faithful and true, and he does it. And you will know release from that, because that's what he's about. So be open to repentance, okay, for some memories and some things that are quite painful. And you might find our, you know, we're used to the word repentance being used by Detached individuals who stand on street corners shouting it at, shouting that word at people, and people pass by has no significance. This is the loving kindness of the Father, because Romans uh, 2.4 says that it's part of God's kindness to bring us to repentance, okay? It might be, on occasion, might be a bit challenging, and we might feel awkward, but you're responding, we're responding to the Father's Kindness, and that's a good place to be. What about the final thing I suggest you, you consider? It's this, and that's his love and mercy heals. Yeah? By his stripes, we are healed. What does this look like? Okay? When we say the name of Jesus, we're not, we're not, giving a title or a label. What we're saying, there's a bigger truth behind that, the name of Jesus. It's reflected in that third song this morning. It's really incredibly apt for us this morning. 
The name of Jesus stands for everything that he is and everything that he has, he has achieved. It's the totality of who, who Jesus is. It's not just crying a name into the void. You're appealing, Jesus, I'm appealing to the entirety of who you are. And I acknowledge that. And that is good. How do we handle memories? Just a couple of quick observations here from things that have happened recently, about four months ago. Bill Johnson, Bill is the uh, pastor of Bethel Church in Reading, very, very well known internationally, he travels, very highly regarded man. He, his wife, Benny, died. And on the first occasion that he appeared in public, have you seen that? Yeah. He, he said this, I don't need an explanation from God. I need him. That's putting this into practice in a, a painful sitting because he's obviously weighed down by and confronting grief at the time. I don't need an explanation. I need you, Father. So right. Ruth and I were at uh, one of the New Wine summer conferences when we, they were held in, in Biltwell. So that's a number of year, years ago, 10, 12, 14 years ago. And there was a lady there who was um, doing artwork as people were speaking. Um, and one of the paintings that she produced was of a circle of chains on the floor. And not, not kind of little chains, you know, dinky little stuff. These are the kind of chains you can imagine. You'd, you, you'd, you'd haul a very large anchor up from the seabed using those chains. Chains in a just fallen off on a certain floor. Footsteps then starting off from within that circle of chains heading off into the distance. That's what release looks like. That's what the Father's forgiveness means. If you're struggling with memories this morning, that's, that's part of the way God works. Other familiar verses, a bruised reed he will not break, a broken, sorry, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Sometimes some of our memories concern really delicate and fragile parts of our lives. And we come to someone who won't snuff out a smoldering wick or break a bruised reed. So if, if you see yourself as, as broken or as hollowed out because of something that has happened in your life, you're coming to the good place. You're coming to the father of loving kindness. You're coming to mercy, which, which has the quality of compassion against, uh, about it. So when Jesus said, come to me, and this, I just picked up this morning, he was on Lectio 365 this morning, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what he says. So, question is, are we going to remember well? Because the Father does. And out of his remembering well, there is so much amazing fruit that he's got for your life and mine. Release for captives. The year of the Lord's favor. Release for captives. 
the year of the Lord's favor. That was Jesus' first public statement. That's an amazing place to go to. Chris is going to come up now and we're going to have a chance where, uh, uh, for some ministry. And if you have uh, memories in particular, you want to make that first step towards, yeah, acknowledge it before the Father. And you say to Jesus, Lord, come into this part of my life. That chance will be there this morning. Sometimes that is a bit too forbidding a thought just to get up and do it on our own. So just, just, just note this, that when Jesus saw that a paralyzed man, and whether he's physically paralyzed or emotionally or mentally paralyzed, it doesn't really matter. When he found that he had four friends who brought him to Jesus, that caused Jesus to rejoice. That was good news. So if you need a friend, or perhaps more, or you need to do this privately in a private place away from, from a crowd, that option is always there. But know this, it's that Jesus says to you this morning, come to me. So I encourage you this morning, be ready to let him in. Amen. Let's arise this morning. This Remembrance Sunday.